as I mentioned, it is Memorial Day, and uh, if we can get that, is the first one up? There we go. There we go. We're, we're talking about uh, a life remembered, but it really could be lives remembered. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have gone to see Top Gun Maverick? Well, a handful. I hear the cinematography is spectacular, and I hear even better yet, the, the Navy is always good about public relations and all that stuff. I hear that they've actually set up tables with recruiters outside of movie theaters, so as people come out, why don't you just sign up? Uh, let me tell you, it's not as exotic as you might think. Right? And it looks really good when they're standing there in that white uniform or that flight suit. Oh, this is gonna be so great. It's not so great. Right? So uh, I, I remember when the first Top Gun movie came out, it came out right before I went to the Air Force pilot training. And so everybody was walking around going after the need for speed. You know, we were, we were cool, we were 10 foot tall, bulletproof, yeah, you know, got that first flight suit. You could always tell who the, the brand new people were because they still had creases in them and they smelled like the fire retardant treatment that they just called Domex. And so you could smell them walking by, like, ooh, that's a new guy. Uh, right, but we were 10 foot tall and bulletproof, we were so cool. Uh, and we had a guy, you know, we, we talked about recruiting posters. Uh, this, uh, this particular little model, I have about a thousand hours in, it was a blast. But uh, we had this one guy in our squadron that could have been an Air Force pilot recruiting poster. Uh, his name was Clay. Uh, Clay was about six foot two, square jaw, blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, looked good in the flight suit kind of guy. And not only was he, did he look like a recruiting poster, but he was a good instructor pilot. And he had this undeniable character. About him. I mean, everywhere he went, he just encouraged you to be better. He encouraged you to, to be as enthused as he was. And I remember this one day, we were out flying and we had a weather recall. That's when the weather's getting really bad. They need you to come back and land really quick. This particular day, the winds were picking up and the winds were coming across the runway. And no matter how you tried to line it up, they were about to go out of limits. We didn't have a lot of gas. So it was important that you got back quick and got on the ground. So I remember flying back in and I was the next to the last guy to land. and. I have never been so glad to be on the ground in my life. It was the touchiest landing I've ever done. Ron is hearing this for the first time. It's like, <laughs> there's, there's many of those stories that she doesn't know about, but hey, here it comes. So I, I landed, I was like, oh my God. I mean, it's like you, you open the canopy, you get out and you kiss the ground type of landing, right? But I wasn't the last guy to land. Clay was the last guy to land. And I remember as I popped out of the canopy and I got to walking out there, the, the rain started. And I'm not talking rain, I'm talking rain. Right, rain sideways, that's how powerful the winds had become. And shortly after Clay landed, they, they shut down the whole field and, and we fortunately got everybody back. But just to give you an insight into Clay's personality, I ran into the parachute room where we stole our gear, you know, wiping everything down, fixing my mask and putting it all up on the peg. The door literally blows open because he opened it and the wind took it, so boom, in comes Clay. His hair, which was normally perfect, you know, all over to the side. He is dripping wet. I mean, he looks like a little wet dog, right? And he walks in, and, and I'm thinking, could it get any worse? This is the most miserable existence ever. And here comes Clay. Man, can you believe they pay us to do this stuff? It's like, what are you smoking? Stop. So that, that was Clay. And, and he, was, he was all that. He was everything. Uh, and so I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, his death shook us so hard. Clay, Clay was the best of us. He, he was all that. We were 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Nothing could influence us. 
Nothing could touch us. But that was the first time that death had come close. And so it, it made us look at things differently. It, it, it opened our eyes to not taking things for granted, not assuming that we would be there tomorrow, realizing for the first time in our lives, perhaps, that we were not 10 foot tall and we were not bulletproof. Glad had an engine failure at low altitude, too low to get out. And in a minute, he was gone. The wing commander came in. He had a get us back in the area, and he gives us the rah-rah speech. He said, we're going to mourn. It's okay to mourn. But this is the day that you hug your loved ones a little tighter. And this is the day that you don't take life for granted. This is the day that you walk out, maybe the sky's a little bluer, the, the grass is a little greener. He said, don't pass by this time. So he was a guy who had known a lot of these, and, and we would too, it turns out, in the future. But that was our first time. But our eyes were open. And one of the things that the wing commander said is, if you, if you want to honor his life, then remember him and choose the way that you can honor him. He read from a journal that Clay had written in, and, and it was uh, an exercise, a life exercise. That, uh, Clay said uh, the one thing that he wanted more than anything was to avoid a life of mediocrity and to encourage all those around him to do the same. So that became the mantra in the squadron, no, no mediocrity, and it, and it challenged us. It made us better, and it did honor Clay's life. So the, the question becomes then, how do we honor the fallen? How do we take the gifts that they've been given, and, and not just to mourn them, because the final thing that the wing commander said that really got us was, what do you think Clay would say to you right now if he were here? What are you guys doing sitting around? It's beautiful flying weather. Get out there. That's probably what he would have said. So he said, what do you do about that? You mourn when it's time. And then you get out there and you do it again. That's how you honor the fallen. So death in its closeness makes us look at life differently. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Now, this is no foreign thing to you because this week has been rife with events that has brought death very close to us. The Uvalde school shooting. Everybody is very much aware that there are no guarantees for tomorrow. That this fallen world we live in is not always a welcome place. There are no guarantees, folks. But there is one guarantee, and we're going to talk about that today. The question is, when you see the face of evil, when you see death that is so close, what do you do about it? You might be surprised to find that the Bible speaks to this. In Psalm 90, Moses is writing a prayer. Moses was a man who was well acquainted with suffering and sorrow and hardship in the most difficult of times. In Psalm 90, he says this. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. If you read the psalm carefully, you'll know that we're not that 
different than they were. The life expectancy, 70, 80 years, the best of them. The life filled with trouble and sorrow. Can anybody relate to that? It's just the world that we live in. But here's the thing. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us. How do we learn? Sometimes from experience, and sometimes experience is hard. Experience is a hard teacher, but it's experience that gives you the lessons that you never forget. Now, why would he say teach us to number our days? Doesn't that sound a little bit morbid? What, what he's really talking about is teach us to realize that we're just dust, that there are no guarantees for tomorrow. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that teaching that I could go at any minute? That, that sounds like a good recipe for paranoid living, right? High stress and anxiety. But it's really not. If you, if you read on, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So it begs the question, what's this wisdom that he's talking about? What, what's this wisdom that is so worthy of numbering our days and reminding ourselves of our mortality? And I have to go to Ephesians to kind of shed some light on this. In Ephesians chapter uh, 5, Paul explains what this wisdom is, in, most particularly in verse 15 and 16. He says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. That's the wisdom. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's how Paul describes it. This wisdom that Paul is talking about is to fully recognize that this world has fallen, this world has trouble and sorrow. This world is temporary. But there's always the but. But there is one who makes it not temporary. There is one who saves. There is one who gives hope even when there is no hope. His name is Jesus Christ. If you dig around further in, in that area of chapter uh, 5 in Ephesians, in fact, I encourage you, if you want some homework, go home and read Ephesians chapters 4 and 5. It's all about how to live in a Christian manner. And here's why that's so important. If you look back at verse 8, he says, For once you were in darkness, but now you're in light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. That's wisdom. For the fruit of light consists in goodness and righteousness and truth. When you look at things like a Uvalde school shooting, or when you look at all the other suffering in the world, don't you think... It's time we had some goodness, some righteousness, some truth. That's what we have to offer as Christ lives through us. And if we fail to do that, even if we don't purposely live in the darkness, we just fail to live into light, we fail to let Christ flow through us, then the world gets a little dimmer. Hope becomes a little more far-reaching. Hopelessness begins to take over. And it's a spiral downhill. I, I think a lot of times, like the, the Christmas Eve service is one of my favorite things when we do the candle lighting because it starts out so dark and there's just this one little flame and then it passes and gradually the, the room gets brighter and brighter. And you see everybody's face and it's shining and smiling. We're all singing together. And I, I look at that and I go, man, that's probably what heaven's going to look like. But pause for just a second on this Memorial Day and take that process in reverse. Take that process of what heaven will look like with bright, shining faces and one by one lights go out. And I'm not talking about people who pass away. I'm talking about hope that passes. 
And that hope passes when we fail to live as children of light. That hope passes when we fail to live in the wisdom that is Jesus Christ. The knowledge of what he has done for us, who he is, what he will do for us, and how he lives forever and ever and invites us to do the same. That's wisdom. That's what Christ offers. That's what we can do as children of light. So it is in contrast a little bit with what I think the world tells us the wisdom is. So if you look at the world, the, the, the wisdom in numbering your days in the world is probably a response like uh, YOLO. Anybody know what that stands for? You only live once, right? I have to look up every abbreviation that comes across because I don't always know if they're appropriate. Yeah, I'm just saying. I actually have it on speed Google, right? YOLO, you only live once, so man, go for it. Okay. The other one that the, the world's wisdom will tell you to do is do your bucket list. You know, you make a bucket list, check everything off. Here's the problem. i, I got to go back to Ephesians here for just a second because what else he says. Uh, Paul says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now think about this. Fruitless deeds. What does a fruitless fruit do? It gets eaten and then nothing. It can't reproduce. There are no seeds. Fruitless deeds start and end as the deed itself. There is no purpose to them. And that's the way I feel sometimes about this YOLO or about this uh, bucket list mentality because a lot of times those things are all about me. They're serving me. And, and my you only live once mentality is about me and when it's done, it, there is no fruit. There is no wisdom being shared. There is no candlelight being passed. There is no illumination of the world and Jesus Christ and what he can do for us. So let's be careful about not shedding uh, or not spreading fruitless deeds, but instead spread the fruit, the fruit of light. And that light is Christ. What the world needs now is not actually love, but what the world needs now is wisdom. And when we peel back those layers, sometimes that presence of death can do it. It pulls back that veil. It lets you see beyond what's really important in life. And it helps you to not take things for granted. But it also gets you asking questions. What really matters? And what really matters to us as followers of Jesus Christ is what Jesus Christ did for us. This is wisdom. This is light. So here's my question for you. Your, your application point, if you will. How do you tell his story? What do I mean by that? When the Wing Commander was talking about Clay, I, I can't be Clay. I mean, I know you go to see movies like Top Gun and everybody looks like oh, Hollywood and Air Force recruiting or Navy, recruiting posters, whatever. But I got a dose of reality for y'all. Most pilots look kind of like me. <laughs> Sorry. Right? There are very few far in between. So I can't be Clay. But I can embrace elements of clay. I can embrace not doing mediocrity, and I do it in my way. So my question to you is, don't try to be Jesus Christ, but how can you tell his story in your way? You're all gifted in different ways. Some of you are musical. Some of you are not, but I love you. <laughs> Some of you are really good with words. Some of you are not. Some of you are really good with actions, some of you are not. You get the point that we're not all the same, and that's the way we're supposed to be. But the point is, however it is that you're wired, however it is that you can tell this story, 
tell his story in your way. Maybe it's just by being the example, by being that child of light, by bearing fruit. There's nothing more attractive than a fruit tree that is laden with fruit that looks great to eat. That's attractive and winsome. Some of you are like that, just by your being. When we serve, do we serve in a way that shows Christ? When we use our words, do we use words that show people who Christ is and the hope that he offers? Now, I'm not saying you have to go out on the street corner and hand out tracts and block traffic. I'm saying be yourselves right where you're at, right where God has planted you, but bring the wisdom of Christ into wherever you are. There's a term in social media these days called influencer. An influencer is someone who has a wide attraction of audience, and maybe they get some sponsors and all this kind of thing, and their, their influence just continues to increase and increase. I'm looking at a room of influencers right now. Some of you may be literally on social media, but I'm talking about the influence that you have in your family, in your relationships, in your schools, in your sports teams, in your clubs, in your communities, wherever you already have influence, be influenced as a child of light. Influence with the wisdom of what Christ is. In other words, tell his story in your way. Because when you look at who is the best of us, Christ was the best of us. No one else in history has ever come down and lived the spirit of the law and kept the letter of the law as well. So tell his story in your way. What story do you tell? Well, do you tell the story of the cross? Yes, absolutely. But here's the thing. If we just tell the story of the cross, then our days are still numbered. If you just tell the story of the cross, even Jesus' days are numbered. He came to an end. So we can't just stop there. The cross is important because all that anxiety, all that hopelessness that we feel was taken to the cross and, and died there. But there's one way that you can take these numbered days and make them numberless. And that is when we tell the rest of the story. The rest of the story is an empty tomb. No one I don't care who you're talking about. No one in history has ever pulled that one off. So as you tell his story in your way, tell of the sorrow. Tell of the death on the cross. Tell of the, the price that he paid. As Jimmy said earlier, how would you respond? How would you say if you were a person whose debt has been paid? Let me take that one step further. How would you live? If you knew you were a person whose debt was paid, we would live in wisdom, I would imagine. We would tell his story, the story of his death, his suffering, the price that he paid, but we would also tell the story of his resurrection. And the fact that he told us, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And for those who believe, our numbered days are numberless. There is no more number to our days in his presence. And we ought to be telling everybody in the world that. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. That's, that's for you to find out the way that God wired you. But God forbid we should take it for granted on this memorial day that we wouldn't remember the greatest sacrifice of all. God forbid that we wouldn't tell that story, the story of the cross and the tomb. Without it, our days are numbered. But with it, our days are numberless.
Teach us to number our days. Give us hearts of wisdom so that we might have a life that we remember and honor the life of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Can't imagine the suffering and the sorrow that he went through. The death on the cross, the abandonment from his friends, the scorning, the mocking, all the things that he went through out of his motive for love for us. And God, as we reflect on this Memorial Day weekend, all those others who sacrifice for our freedom are, are images of you. Maybe that's why we appreciate it so deeply. Maybe that's why we're moved so deeply. Because it is a reflection of your Son, a reflection of our Savior. God, help us not to take that for granted, but help us to live as children of the light. Help us to bear fruit of light. Help us to live with the wisdom knowing that Christ died for our sins, that that is buried with him. Knowing that he rose again and that he invites us to rise with him into numberless days. God, thanks is not enough. We don't know how to thank you adequately. So help us by the power of your spirit. Let us honor your fallen son, your risen son, by living a life of wisdom, by bearing fruit of light, by telling your story in the way that you wired us. God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the thanks. And I pray this in Jesus' name.